0: praise tonight come on you can do a little bit better than that if God's been good to you come on lift the roof off this place God Lord you're good God you're good Father we lift up our hands to you tonight God and we give you all the glory Father we give you all the praise Lord you're worthy of our worship you're worthy of our adoration God, tonight is all about you. God, we fix our eyes on you right now. and Father, I just pray, God, that you meet us right where we are. God, you are good. God, you are faithful. Lord, even when we're faithless, God, you're faithful. God, even when we've fallen, even when we're broken, even when we've made mistakes, God, you're still there. God, we keep our eyes focused on you tonight. Father, I just ask that you would hide me behind the cross, God, where only you can be elevated, where only you would be exalted, only you would be seen. For when you are lifted up, God, you said you would draw all men unto yourself. And God, that's my prayer tonight, is that you would draw all men unto you. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you lift up one final shout in this place tonight? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated tonight, and uh, I just want to kind of dive right into what I believe God has laid on my heart, and I will say that I'm getting the microphone way earlier than I normally do on a Sunday night, and so I think that means I get to preach for like an hour tonight, so uh, no, I can't do that. Uh, In fact, uh, if I could be 100% transparent tonight, I'm not even so sure that I I'm uh, really gonna preach that much tonight. Uh, I don't even really know exactly how all of this is gonna come out. Um, there could be some emotion that's, atti- that, that's attached to it. Um, you know, honestly, I've struggled a little bit. I've shared with some people that have been, that are close with me this week. I said, I really don't know how I even wanna go about this on Sunday night. Uh, one thing that I will say, that anytime that I grab the microphone and I'm behind this pulpit here, Uh, it's a holy, holy moment. It's a holy responsibility. It's something that I don't take lightly. And uh, never, ever do I wanna spend more time talking about Dusty than I do Jesus. And I don't believe my calling in life is to talk about and elevate Dusty. Uh, My calling in life is to elevate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, But I do know what this moment is tonight. And... uh, in an effort to not make tonight awkward. For some, if you don't already know, uh, this is mine and my family's last Sunday night here on staff uh, at this amazing, amazing church. Been here for 20 years, 20 years. And um, I'm 31 years old, so two thirds of my life practically. Uh, Anytime that you're somewhere for two decades, there's there's a lot of roots, there's deep roots there. And um, and so tonight, I just hope to share just a little bit of my heart. And um, I think what I would like to do if it's okay is maybe just kinda just stay right here and um, uh, maybe just treat it like it's family talking. Uh, Because as I look around the sanctuary tonight, uh, I would consider every single one of you family. Um, There's a lot of water that's been under the bridge there's a lot of things that I've walked through in life right here that a lot of you have walked through with me and with Brittany and with our family. And uh, I just want to say this just from the very beginning. I just want to share um, this in regards to God's voice in my life. I believe that from a very young age that I've always tried to remain sensitive to the voice of God in my life. And As I prepared this week for this message, my mind just kind of wandered and went back to the days of me being Uh, I distinctly remember of being a fifth grader right before I made the transition, my family made the transition to come to Evangel Temple my sixth grade year. I remember being a fifth grader and even at such a young age, feeling the, the, the hand of God on my life. And I can remember distinctly, I could take every one of you back to the exact place of being in my elementary school and all the kids being at recess. And as we went out to recess, all the kids would be out playing, and I remember walking around a tree, and I'd just be talking to Jesus, and just feeling God's touch on my heart. And, and in those days, as a fifth grader, I don't think I could really articulate exactly what I was feeling, but looking back in hindsight, I knew that God's touch was on my heart and on my life, from a very young age, I was sensitive to God's voice in my middle school years and my high school years. I can remember being here in my high school years and Pastor John Harwell and Chris Cruz being my youth pastor and, and I remember God's touch continuing to be upon uh, my life and I remember there being times in my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year of high school where I, re- I was so desperate for God to touch my life that I would go on fast. And the church wouldn't even be on a fast, my family wouldn't be on a fast, and I would go on a fast. Some sometimes it was a one day fast, sometimes it was a three day fast. And I remember going to the cafeteria in my high school years and everybody else is eating lunch and Dusty's just sitting there at the cafeteria table with just me and my Bible, hungry for God's word in my life. Hungry to hear God's voice in my life. And it's those days that I believe have prepared me even for this moment right here. And you know, looking back on those those days when I was young in middle school, high school, can I tell you, I probably didn't get it right all the time, Uh, I probably didn't know what I was doing all of the time, but can I tell you one thing, there was a principle in my life from just a kid that I learned to give Jesus my yes. And if I could just tell you this, I believe what I told our leaders when I announced that me and Brittany and our family would be transitioning, one thing I told them, and I shared this with somebody today, This morning, can I just tell you very simply, I'm talking about my specific transition tonight, but God, there's gonna be times in all of our lives that we have transition, it might be from one job to the next job, or it might be from one house to another house, or whatever it may be, we all go through times of transition, and can I just say this, when Jesus says to follow me, there's no better response than to simply say yes. There's no better response than to simply give everything that you have. You know Mary with the alabaster jar, she understood this principle. You know that back in those days when Mary, when she had this alabaster jar of perfume, you know in those days in the Bible, the the days in the Gospels, that they didn't have screw top lids. Mary knew what she was doing. If she was gonna pour a little bit, she knew I can't just pour a little bit, I've gotta pour all. And I believe it was a principle for all of our lives that you're not just called to just pour a little bit out to Jesus. You're called to pour everything that you have out to Jesus. And let me just tell you something. I love the way that one person put it. He said this, that even though she gave everything she had, when she left the room that day, she smelled just like Jesus. And and here is the principle. You never carry the aroma of Christ just like you do when you give Jesus your everything. I never resemble Jesus more than when I simply say, yes, God, you can have my entire life. I wanna say this about transition that, you know, transition in its nature isn't bad. Transition in its nature uh, isn't unhealthy. In many ways, change is inevitable. And many times I believe all throughout scripture you can find where there's transitional phrases or transitional passages. And many times as you look throughout scripture, and I don't have enough time tonight to necessarily go into all of these passages of scripture, but many times transition will discover or hide itself as trouble. Jesus in Mark chapter four, he looked at his disciples and he says, I want you to get into the boat. And he says, I want you to go to the other side. But notice when Jesus says, go to the other side, he waits until it's the darkest part of the night to send them to the other side. He waits until the storm is raging, and then he says, now I'm going to send you over to the other side. What about Jacob when he was crossing over the Jabbok? The Bible says this, as he was transitioning across the Jabbok, he paused and he says this, before I'm gonna go over, (coughs) excuse me, before I'm gonna go to the other side, I'm gonna have to send my spouse, I'm gonna have to send my children. Jabbok actually means to empty, Jacob learned that, and for me to transition, I'm gonna have to empty everything that I have. He stayed back on this side, and he began to wrestle with an angel all throughout the night, and then when he walked away, the Bible says that the angel of God touched his hip, and when he walked, he walked with a lip. Can I tell you this? When God moves you somewhere, here's how you know it's God, because he's gonna require you to walk with a lip and not a strut. And see, God God wants you to understand this, that I can bless those that are walking with a limp. I can bless those that are gonna walk humbly before me, but I'm gonna oppose those that are walking with a strut, that are walking thinking that I can, I can live my own way, I can go my own path, I can go my own direction. God says, listen, if you're going to go the path that I've called you to go, then you're gonna have to allow me to touch your life. If I could have somebody maybe bring me some water. <coughs> Joshua chapter four, thank you. I've been battling through a little bit of a, a cold. Excuse me. Joshua chapter four, one through seven says this. It says, now when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you, and then in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? I wanna emphasize that phrase right there. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of God. When it had crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. This is the phrase right here. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I wanna talk for the next few moments along these lines, building an altar of remembrance. Building an altar of remembrance. In fact, I believe that that's what I wanna do here tonight is to build an altar of remembrance right here at Evangel Temple. Here we find a young man named Joshua who is the understudy of a fearless leader, of a great man. When you think of a leader, the epitome of a leader is Moses. And now Joshua finds himself under some incredible miracles and has been taught on leadership by the best, given some authority, saw victories along the way, maybe even saw failures a little bit along the way. And now time has come for transition. And now Joshua picks up the mantle. And I put in my notes notes to Paul's right here, and I just wanna say this to Pastor Gary and Miss Kim, that just as Moses was to Joshua, y'all have been to me a fearless leader, somebody who taught me how to pastor well, somebody who's taught me to be a man of integrity, somebody who's taught me to be a man of prayer. That is what Pastor Gary and Miss Kim have taught me. And I I wanted to go on record tonight to say this, that Pastor Gary and Miss Kim, I honor you, I value you, I cherish you in my life, not only now, but for the days to come. Pastor Jordan, I wanna go on record to say, I honor you, I value you in my life. These moments in my life that have been poured into me by these amazing men of God will never be taken lightly. The moments that many people in this congregation have poured into my life and in Brittany's life and our family will never be taken lightly. I wanna give you three things just really quickly. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Three things That transition requires, number one, transition requires faith. In other words, transition requires the courage to do what God says to do. If you're taking notes, I just want you to put this, faith is the what. God, what are you calling me to do? Now what I didn't read to you is in the very first chapter of the book of Joshua, Verses six, seven, and nine, God says this to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. And then the very next verse, he says this. Now, be strong and very courageous. And then in verse nine, he says again, be strong and courageous. Is God being redundant? I believe that God understood this principle and he wanted Joshua to understand that maybe, just maybe during times of transition, it's the weak and the fearful. that don't have what it takes to get to the other side. If you're going to trust God during times of transition, you're gonna have to be strong. You're gonna have to be courageous. Can I just tell you this tonight? Many times, your promised land is just on the other side of your fear. Your destiny that God has for your life is just on the other side of your worry. Here's what I wanna say about worry. I shared this with somebody a little bit earlier. Worry is like walking on a treadmill. It gives you something to do, it just don't take you anywhere. And see, here's the thing. Worry, it's gonna give you something to do, but it ain't gonna lead you where God wants you to go. If you're going to obey the voice of God, if you're gonna go in the direction that God wants you to go, you're gonna have to have faith. There's a reason why Christianity is called the faith and not the understanding. Because God wants you to not understand everything. If you're gonna have a peace that surpasses your understanding... Bill Johnson puts it like this, and you're gonna have to forfeit your right to understand. To have the the peace that God gives you, you have to forfeit your right to understand some things. Here's what faith is. It's clarity without certainty. See, in our walk with God, this is what we want. We want clarity with certainty. But that's not what faith is. Faith is this, it's saying, God, saying to Joshua, I'm telling you to cross over. Joshua was saying, God, but what about the water? What about the waves? What about the Jordan? And he says, I don't need you to worry about that. I'm just telling you to cross over. And Jesus telling his disciples, go to the other side. Disciples were saying, Jesus, do you know what time it is? Do you know how dark it is? Do you know what the storm is doing? And he says, I don't need you to understand everything. I just need you to go to the other side. Jesus saying to Peter, step out of the boat. See, Peter had clarity, he heard the voice of God. He heard the voice of the Lord. He had clarity of his voice, but he didn't understand how he was possibly gonna stand on top of the water, and he just obeyed the voice of Jesus. The first thing is transition requires faith. The second thing, I want you to hear me, is transition requires obedience. If faith addresses the what? Then obedience, I believe, addresses the when. God, when do you want me to answer you? God, when do you want me to step into your promise? See, notice this, that when God told Joshua to cross over, he did it at flood stage. He did it at a time that would seem to be the most inopportune time to cross over the Jordan. Isn't that like God? To tell you to cross over, to tell you to trust him in the very moment that in your mind, it just don't make any sense. God, I don't know if I'm hearing you, God, I don't quite understand. Do you know that the Jordan normally is 20 feet deep, but at flood stage, it was 40 feet deep and two miles wide. God was telling him, he says, listen, I know that it may not make sense on the surface, but I'm, I'm asking you to just trust me, to just walk across the Jordan. Obedience, I want you to hear me tonight, obedience is not just doing what God says, obedience is doing what God says, when he tells you to do it. It would be like me growing up and my parents telling me to clean the room. And if my response to them growing up would be, yes, I'll do it, it would just be in the next few days. That would be a recipe for a backhand to my mouth. I wasn't abused, we were just raised in the South, y'all. Anybody like that, y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, if I were to look at my parents and say, yeah, I'll clean my room, I'm just gonna do it within the next week. That would be disobedience, you wanna know why? Because delayed obedience is still disobedience. Listen, partial obedience is still complete disobedience. God is saying, I don't want you to just have faith to know what I'm telling you to do, I want you to have obedience to do what I told you to do when I told you to do it. And even if the waters are at flood stage, go ahead, cross over. (coughs) God told Joshua, He said, keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be successful wherever you go. In other words, during times of transition, put such a premium on my word that every other word pales in comparison, that every other opinion pales in comparison to my word. There's a reason why why the Bible says this. It says it's your word that is a lamp unto my feet and a very light unto my path. God's word and instruction comes with a specific pace. If you wanna live according to God's direction, you can only move as fast as the pace of his light. God, what are you wanting for my life? God, what does your word say for my life? Third thing, really quickly. Transition requires honor. So if faith addresses the what, God, what do you want me to do? And obedience addresses the when, God, when do you want me to do it? And I believe honor focuses on the how. God, how do you want me to do it? God, how do you want me to move? God, how do you want me to transition? I'm not sure that it's possible for someone to leave one place dishonorably and to ever succeed long term. God said to Joshua, he said, you're leaving this place. He says, I'm leading you away from here and you're gonna cross through the Jordan. He says, but before you leave this place, build an altar here. Build a memorial here. Honor this place. It was common in those days, In the Old Testament, that any time that God would reveal himself in a supernatural way, what they would do is they would begin to gather these stones and they would build an altar and they would call them an altar of remembrance. That way, if they could ever pass through that way again, they would be able to say, that was the place that God touched my life. That was the place that I felt God impress his hand upon my heart or upon my life. And I love what God told Joshua. He says, before I lead you away from here, he says, I want you to build an altar of remembrance. I want you to build a memorial right here. And this is what he says. He says, build a memorial because in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? This is what I want you to tell them. Tell them about this transition. Tell them about this miracle. Tell them about this time that I'm crossing you over the Jordan. Tell them about the miracle that even when it looked like the Jordan was gonna crash over you and the waves were gonna engulf you, that God himself, Yahweh himself, would peel back the waters and we were able to walk through the Jordan. I think this is what I'm trying to say tonight and I think this is just where I wanna sit for just the next few moments. Is there's going to come a time, I was sharing this with Brittany last night, I've just made it up in my mind that evangel will be a place that I will build a memorial here. That evangel will be a place that I will build an altar right here. Because there's going to be a time where I'll be able to look to my children, I'll be able to look in the eyes of Brave and look in the eyes of Maverick and say, listen, I know that you might be battling adversity now, but can I take you back to the time when I was growing up and God peeled back the waters of the Jordan for mommy and daddy? Can I take you back to the days that God touched my life in a supernatural way? I want my boys to be able to grow up and look at the memorial that I've built, the 20 years of a memorial that I've built here at Evangel, and I want their eyes to go back and I want them to see the evidence of me being a middle school boy and hopping on a bus from Evangel Temple and going to Hilliard to the retreat property and going to nights of worship and being inside that gym and feeling the touch of God on my life. I wanna build a memorial right here. I want in the days to come when my kids are going through difficult moments of life, I can look at the stones here from Evangel and I can point back to 2007 when I hopped on a church van and I went to Masterpiece Gardens and went to youth camp and I was baptized with the Holy Spirit for the first time. I wanna build a memorial right here. I wanna be able to build a memorial here and take them back to 2010 right after I graduated and my family unit was broken apart and I felt like my family was crashing and I felt like my whole world was falling apart but it was this church who came around me and it was Pastor Chris, my youth pastor, who came around me. It was Pastor Gary who came around me and said I'm gonna give you a chance. I'm gonna give you a shot of coming on as an intern and I was insulated by Evangel Temple by this family. I wanna build a memorial right here. I wanna, I wanna be able to look back in the years to come and look back at the stones that I've gathered together and i built a memorial right here at Evangel when 2007, 2018, when my kids look at me and say, Daddy, what was it like when you and Mommy found out that Brave was diagnosed with cerebral palsy? And I can say, you know what? It was this church who literally picked my feet up and put one foot in front of the other. It was moments that I could come here and my family would lift up my arms. Listen, why am I telling you all this? I'm not here to necessarily preach, I'm just sharing my heart, I'm just talking to my family. Listen, I'm bound and determined that I'm gonna build a memorial at Evangel Temple. This is a place that I'll never forget. This is a place that will always have my heart. This is a place that will always have my honor. This is a place that I would never speak negatively about, because I want to be able to pass through this way again and say, "Brave, Maverick, these were my pastors. This was my family. This was the church that believed in me and gave me a chance when I didn't even believe in myself. I want to build a memorial here. Transition takes faith. Transition takes obedience. Transition takes honor. Some of you are saying, Pastor Dusty, how do you know when you're supposed to build an altar somewhere? Can I just tell you simply, you build an altar when your life gets altered. My life has been altered here. My life has been forever changed here. Worship team, you can come back up. God said, pick up 12 stones, build a memorial. That way you'll never forget it. I got to thinking, I've been on staff here in some way or form or fashion for 12 years. And so what I'd like to do, just kind of in closing tonight, if I could, I'd like to just give you 12 stones that I feel like I've picked up from Evangel Temple that are gonna help me build my memorial. I'm not gonna be able to expound upon each one, some I'm just gonna kind of list here, some I really wanna sit on just for the next few moments, the five minutes that I have here. Number one, The first stone that I've picked up along the way is evangelism is all about souls. Listen, if I've heard our pastor say it one time, I've heard it a thousand times, it's all about souls. It's all about souls. Last Wednesday night, I went to Pastor Gary and I said, Pastor, is there anything you want me to pray for? And he said, souls, just pray for souls. Evangelism is all about souls. I'll never forget it. It's been forever imprinted on my heart. Number two, evangel is a house of prayer. Listen, I know that y'all may think that there's five times of corporate prayer throughout the week, but maybe what some people, maybe you do know, maybe you don't know, but we pray every single day as a staff. But I've never met, and I truly mean this, I've never met somebody who prays more than Pastor Gary Wiggins. And I can honestly say that. As somebody who has had a, Had had a look behind the curtain of the ministry here of our pastors here, there would be many times that I'd be walking through the lobby area throughout the week, and I would just see Pastor Gary and Miss Kim just walking in the sanctuary, just calling out to God, praying. Evangel is a house of prayer. It's taught me to be a pastor of prayer. It's taught me to take things to God before I take them to anybody else. Evangel is built upon integrity. I've had a front row seat to see our pastors, to see how they operate in ministry. I've seen them lied about. I've seen them mistreated. I've seen everything else that you can imagine and every time their response has been love. Every time their response has been forgiveness. Every time their response has been grace. Every time our pastors have had a heart to pastor people. Number four, the fourth pillar. Evangel is a church that champions the next generation. I'm a testament to that, that this church has believed in me. I'll never forget, right after I graduated in 2009 from high school, and as I alluded to earlier, my, my family was broken apart, and I remember having a uh, a job that I was so anxiously ready to get away from that I didn't like a whole lot right out of high school. And man, I was so hungry for God, so hungry for ministry. I remember sitting in Pastor Chris's office. I said, Pastor Chris, let me intern. Let me intern here at Evangel. And he wanted me to intern. And I remember sitting on his couch and he texted Pastor Gary, and I guess they had been in talks. And, And I guess he texted him right there, and Pastor Gary, you probably don't even remember this. And Pastor Gary gave his thumbs up. And I remember Pastor Chris looking at me and said, Pastor Gary said, you can come be an intern. And I felt like I had just reached the pinnacle of life. I get to be an intern here at the church that I love. And it was shortly after that, probably a year, maybe a little after a year, that Pastor Gary and Miss Kim, during that time, y'all would walk laps here in the sanctuary. I don't know if y'all remember almost every day in the afternoon, Pastor Gary and Miss Kim, instead of going out somewhere else, they would come right in the sanctuary and they would literally walk the entire sanctuary and that was their laps for the day. And many times if you ever wanted to talk Pastor Gary, he would, hey, come walk with me. And you had to start walking laps too and you just started having to share your heart with Pastor Gary. And I know Pastor Gary, there's been so many things that have happened since then, you probably don't remember this, but right there where Pastor Rick is sitting, Pastor Gary said, Dusty, come here. I sat down right there, and he said, Dusty, I believe in you, and we want to bring you on staff. I felt like, man, if I felt like I would reached the pinnacle and I became an intern, I mean, I was just beside myself. I went right out to this hallway and called some people that I loved and that were so close to me. I said, you'll never believe it. I'm, I'm a staff member at my church, at my church. I'm on staff. My mind went back to these moments as I was preparing. I think what I'm trying to say is that, Pastor Gary, you believed in me. During a broken moment, during a broken season of my life, Pastor Gary championed the next generation. And it's not just me, there's been so many throughout the years. Evangel is a church that champions the next generation. Next, really quickly. Evangel exemplifies the epitome of consistency. Who you see right here, who you see right here during these services with pastor with his hands raised and laying hands on people and praying, listen, that's who Pastor Jordan is constantly. That's who Pastor Gary and Miss Kim are. That's who they are constantly. That is who this church is, consistent. Evangel is boldly unashamed of the Holy Spirit. Evangel prioritizes outreach. Evangel is a church that has grace for the sinner, for the broken, for the hurting, for people who make crazy, stupid decisions sometimes. They have grace. My mind went back to me being right, just a little kid after I came on staff and I oversaw the prison ministry and I know I gotta hurry. Um, I promise this will never happen again okay um, this is the one time that I feel like I can do this and maybe get away with it yeah I remember I remember I oversaw the prison ministry for a short period of time and I went and grabbed the, the Touchton's plumbing truck, Eric Touchton's truck, and he allowed us to borrow it. And we'd go to Tampa and I'd pick up tons of Bibles. And I was about to leave, It was I woke up so early in the morning and I probably wasn't even fully awake yet. And I drove that Touchton plumbing truck, wasn't even paying attention to the clearance of the awning right there in front of the main offices. And man, I drove it right under that awning and busted the light and the whole entire entryway, I mean, I just saw that whole thing just move. And the stucco, I just started scraping the entire stucco. And I thought, surely my days are done. This is short-lived, God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Gary, for believing in me. I'm out, deuces. It was met with grace. Pastor still believed in me. I remember being at National Fine Arts. Just came on staff. I thought I'd try to be like one of the kids. I hadn't matured yet. And they were doing this thing where they were climbing up the walls and almost like Ninja Warrior. And I'm like, yeah, I got it, watch this. And I start climbing up the wall and my foot totally goes right through the wall. Pastor Gary, you remember this one. And about that time, Pastor Gary comes walking up to the next level and you can ask Brittany, I start sprinting and I'm going down the convention hall and I'm like, Pastor Gary cannot see me and I'm hiding away from him. But you know what? You know what Pastor Gary said? Dusty, go make it right, go fix it. (laughs) Pastor Gary has grace. This church has grace. This house values God's word above all else. If you're going to preach behind this pulpit and grab this microphone, you better preach God's word. If you're gonna be a pastor here, you better be in God's word. Evangel Temple is a church that loves all people well, from the wealthy, to the popular, to the one who doesn't have enough money to make ends meet each month, to the homeless that stop by on a weekly basis here, that ring the doorbell at the front office here. Evangel loves all people. I wanna carry that with me all the days of my life. I wanna love all people well. Evangel Temple is a church that operates as a family. When we come up here and we say, welcome home, that's not just a slogan. It's not just a catchphrase. We really mean it. This is a place that's home. And when a son leaves home, although it may be painful, if that son really loves his family, He'll never be a stranger to that home. And I purposefully wanna say this right here and I give my commitment that I will never be a stranger in this house, that I'll always come back home. That This will always be home to me. You will always be family to me. Last thing, the last stone that I feel like I've picked up to build the memorial here is that Evangel Temple prioritizes encountering Jesus. And I lastly wanted to end with that one right there on purpose because I think no greater way for me to end my last message on staff here. It'd be my gift for this entire church to just encounter Jesus together down here at the altar. I think what I would like to ask, and I know that I gotta close here, but I'd like to ask if everybody could just stand to your feet I don't even know what song the worship team has ready or prepared, but if you would, if you would just gather your belongings, and if you could, if you could just please come down to the front, and I I want us just for the next few moments, and then Pastor Jordan, I believe, is gonna come and conclude the service, but would you please do me a favor? Would you please come? Like, even if it's not your normal tendency to come to the altar, when, when we ask, would you please just come? Just make your way and can we just worship together as a family for the last few moments can we truly be a house that encounters Jesus together listen I'm building my memorial here but you also can do the same you also can build a memorial right here if God has ever altered your life out of angel build an altar here build an altar here that way, you can pass by this way again and say, that was the place that God touched my life. That way, your kids can be raised up and say, this was the place mommy and daddy encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can we worship? I just want you to slip your hands towards heaven right now. Worship team, come on. Just for the next few moments, let's worship. in
1: myself away. give myself away so you
2: be a song that we sing but take a moment i want you to shut yourself in with the lord say god i surrender to you i give you my yes i give you my all just take a moment shut yourself in with the lord it's you and jesus god we surrender our lives to your plans, to your will. God, we surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. God, we wanna be vessels used by you for your kingdom, for your purpose in this world around us, to see you increase, to see our lives decrease as we make much of who you are. We love you, Lord. I want us to pray in just a moment over Pastor Dusty and Brittany and uh, for God's blessing, amen, upon their lives. But um, before we go there, um, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, we exist to help people encounter Jesus and for souls to come to know him. And so I want us to all pray this prayer together tonight. Say, Jesus, thank you for grace. And I ask for forgiveness for my sins and my failures. And I receive your love into my life. Help me to live for you, and you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, if you prayed that prayer tonight, um, number one, your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God loves you, he has a plan for your life. Um, And his plan is a good plan, amen. A plan for your blessing, a plan for your prosperity, a plan for his love to shine in and through you. And I want to encourage you to get on track with that plan, God's plan for, for your life. We can help you walk that road and we want to help you walk that road. Um, if you prayed that prayer tonight, uh, just see one of our team. We'd love to pray with you and 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 help you walk that road tonight. Um, but I want us to pray for Pastor Dusty and, and Brittany as God leads them into this next chapter. Um, I told them that this is the end of a chapter, not the end of a book, amen? Um, and so chapters change from time to time but a book doesn't have to close and so i want us to stretch our hands out towards pastor dusty and Brittany right now father we come before you and we thank you for dusty we thank you for Brittany, and we thank you for the anointing and the call that you have placed upon their lives and we pray that father um you'd be faithful to continue to lead them and guide them to make much of you in this world around us Your word says the steps of the righteous, they are ordered by the Lord. So Father, lead them, direct them, guide them. As they are righteous, they are called, they are chosen by you for this time. God, you've appointed them for such a time as this. And I pray, Father, that they would rise up to the occasion to what you have called them into. Father, we pray for your prosperity, your blessing, your anointing to be upon their lives. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for... Um, all that they have invested into this house. And God, we thank you that fruit will continue to be produced in this house because of the investment that they they have made. And Father, we pray that your glory, your presence, it would just shine. Upon them. And God, as we read it every week, we pray Father the ironic blessing upon their life, that your face, it would shine upon them, and that the glory of your countenance would rise upon them. and Father, that you would give them peace, your Shalom, your peace, upon their home, upon their family. And Father, we continue to contend for brave. We declare healing, we declare life, we declare health and wholeness over his body. God, we understand what doctor's reports may be, but Father, we don't live by their reports. We live by your word. And God, we just declare health, we declare wholeness over brave and over his body in Jesus' name, over Maverick and Father, the 15 babies that are to come. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I got the mic, bro, so I get to say it last. (laughs) Prophesy. I ain't prophet lying, I'm prophesying, bro. We love them. We love you guys. If somebody would, if y'all take them out there to the lobby, um, we've got reception and food and all that sort of stuff. So do me a favor, like Moses split the Red Sea right here and let them get through it. Don't stop them here. There'll be a place where you can greet them in the lobby. So don't. Don't try to stop them until they get to that place, please. So um, Pastor Mark, Pastor Jen, y'all bounce with them and take them out there for me. We love you. God bless you. Let's go celebrate them.